0: Welcome to the Someone Somewhere podcast. It's Thursday, October 24th, and I'm your host, Nicole. This is episode 28. This episode is brought to you by Polycultured, our farm resources blog. We create tools for sustaining backyard food production on small plots and in urban areas. If you enjoy this content, please support us by going to www.patreon.com slash polycultured. This episode is going to cover one of my favorite wild herbs and one that I've been using for quite a few years now. I felt very connected to this plant when I started foraging it and using it well before I knew anything about it but when I started learning more about its history I felt really really connected to this plant ever since and it's one that I just keep coming back to. Verbascum thapsis or great mullen, otherwise known as common mullen, is a biennial herbaceous member of the scrofula family. With its silver, green, and fuzzy leaves, it grows up to eight feet in height. In the first year, it appears as a rosette of leaves, staying low to the ground in a circular fashion. And in the second year, it sends up a tall flower spike with many bright, densely clustered yellow flowers, which only open for a single day as new ones are forming. There are over 200 species, including V. nigrum, black mullein, and V. blotaria, moth mullein, many of which can be used interchangeably. It is native to northern Africa and the Canary and Madeira Islands and many regions in Eurasia. There it grows as far as the Himalayas in Europe all the way up to northern Scotland. It's now widely naturalized throughout the world and proliferates growing as a weed, mostly in disturbed soils. Mullen was brought to North America and can be found widespread there. In particular, it's extremely abundant in the state of Ohio and is considered a naturalized weed in the United States. One of mullen's special components is that it will grow in compacted, sandy, or otherwise poor soil. You'll often see it growing in dunes or in gravel where nothing else is growing, or in other odd places like cracks in the pavement or medians. Mullen's deep root helps to break up the soil, aerating it and allowing water to penetrate. And then when the leaves die, the dead foliage adds more nutrients to the soil. Through this cycle, it improves soil goes through its three year life cycle and moves on, while it gives a chance for more diverse and native species to come and take over in its place. In this way, mullein can be part of a remediation plan, a plant that is actively helping to develop an area that is disturbed or untenable, eventually bringing biodiversity and cycling nutrients in the soil. I'm gonna start off with a simple plant description. When mullein sprouts, the first two leaves are paired and just a little bit hairy. Later on, as leaves grow in, they grow in an alternating pattern. They're woolly to the touch, densely covered on both sides with soft hairs and attached by way of flattened, hairy leaf stalks. Mullen forms a rosette of basil leaves during its first year of growth. A basil leaf is one that grows from the lowest part of the stem. Plants must reach a critical size before flowering, which normally occurs during the second year but may be delayed until the third or rarely even the fourth year of growth. Each rosette produces a solitary erect two to eight foot tall flowering stem. Common mullein blooms from June through September. The top of the flowering stem is densely packed with five lobed saucer shaped bright yellow flowers. Fruits are contained in round capsules about a quarter inch in diameter. Each capsule splits when mature into two cells that are filled with dark brown seeds and the surface of each seed is marked with wavy ridges. An individual plant can produce 100,000 to 180,000 seeds. Seeds have no special mechanisms for dispersal and they usually fall close to the parent plant. Once buried in the soil, they can become dormant and survive for years. In a study started in 1879, common mullein seeds buried in soil remain viable for up to 35 years. As I mentioned above, Common mullen forms fibrous roots and a very deep taproot, which makes it an ideal plant for breaking up hardened and desertified soils. Its taxonomic name verbascum is thought to be derived from the Latin word barbascum, with barba meaning beard, which refers to the hairy leaves of mullen. The common name mullen is also from a Latin word mollus, meaning soft but it's also possibly from the Latin word melandrium, which is a disease of cattle for which mullein was a remedy. Common mullen has never been used for food, but traditionally it's been respected for its mystical and medicinal powers. According to the Greek legend, the gods gave Ulysses a mullen stalk to defend himself against the wiles of Circe, who was the nymph enchantress who turned the companions of Ulysses into pigs by means of a magic drink. Dioscorides, who is a Greek physician, pharmacologist, and botanist who was practicing in the first century in Rome, authored the book De Materia Medica, which was one of the first to recommend Mullins' use in lung conditions around 2,000 years ago. It was used as a hair wash in ancient Roman times, the leaf ash was used to darken the hair, and the yellow flowers were used to lighten the hair. The leaves were dried, rolled, and used as wicks for candles, and the entire dried flower stalks were dipped into tallow and then used as torches, hence the other common names for this plant, such as candlewick plant or torch plant. According to Maida Silverman in her book, A City Herbal, the great respect and love formally accorded to Mullen can be inferred from the number and variety of the folk names for it, and there are many. There's probably 50 common names for Mullen. Another one of its popular names is lungwort, which is derived from its most common use. From ancient Rome to modern Ireland, a tea made from mullen leaves has been used as a cure for lung disease in both humans and livestock. Aristotle recorded this use in Historia animalium. Stream fishermen throughout Europe and Asia, particularly in Germany and Britain, would use mullen seeds as a fish poison for centuries even though Frederick II, King of Germany in about 1200, outlawed fish poisoning as early as 1212 AD. Appalachian settlers who viewed conventional fishing as less manly than hunting occasionally would use mullen as a way to supplement their diet. And during the Middle Ages, mullen was imputed with the power to control demons, An old piece of lore says if a man beareth one twig of this wart he will not be terrified by any awe nor will a wild beast hurt him or any evil coming near its magical qualities were numerous going way back beyond simply warding off evil but it was thought that it could even instill courage and health and provide protection and to attract love in fact it was believed that wearing mullein would ensure fertility and also keep potentially dangerous animals at bay while trekking along through the wilderness. Country folk in medieval England even used Mullen to know if their lover was faithful. They bent the plant towards the lover's house, and if it resumed a vertical position, all was well, but if the Mullen died, their love was untrue. The Puritans brought Mullen seeds to America for their medicinal herb gardens. By the late 1630s, Mullen had escaped to neighboring fields and roadsides. As settlers advanced on native lands to the west and planted new gardens, patches of mullein would mark every abandoned homestead. It was quickly adopted into the tradition of many indigenous nations across North America. Some examples include that the root was made into a teething necklace for infants by the Abenaki families, the Cherokee applied the leaves as a poultice for cuts and swollen glands, and other tribes rubbed the leaves on the body during ritual sweat baths. Additionally, the flowers were used internally as tea and topically as poultices. Navajos smoked mullen, referring to it as big tobacco, and even the Amish were known to smoke it as well. Mullen also was brought to the United States for its fish poison qualities. One old North Carolina resident had this to say about his German forefathers who immigrated in the 1720s. Quote, they heard about the new land across the waters and decided to bring things that would help them get a start. Stinging fish was one easy way of getting food at first, so feltwort seeds were brung along. Feltwort being another common name for mullen. By 1818, common mullen was incorrectly categorized as a native species by Amos Eaton, who lived in about 1776, um, and he was an American botanist. By 1859, mullen's persistence outside of cultivation seemed to place it in disfavor quote, there's no sure evidence of a slovenly negligent farmer than to see his fields overrun with mullen. According to King's American Dispensatory, which is a book first published in 1854 that covers the use of herbs in American medical practice, quote, upon the upper portion of the respiratory tract, its influence is pronounced. Mullen was prescribed by eclectic physicians, which was a branch of American medicine popular in the 1800s and early 1900s, which made use of botanical remedies, who considered it to be an effective demulcent and diuretic and a mild nervine, quote, favoring sleep. Mullen leaf, flower, and root, with its long list of traditional uses across the world, is truly an amazing plant. There's just so much to say about mullen as a medicinal plant from root to flower. There's just something that can be used. And as far as I know, there's no high quality clinical research on mullein, um, which is unsurprising. Most herbs are relegated to not being researched. And there are no patented drugs that are currently manufactured from its components. Uh, Mullen is also extremely prolific, as I've mentioned, and it's also free and available in nature in most parts of the world. So that may also be another reason why no pharmaceutical um, equivalent or extraction from the chemicals inside mullen has been explored. Now, there's uses for mullen that are medicinal and there are uses for mullen that are like goods or things that you can use. Um, that aren't directly medicine. So I'll I'll talk about both of those uses now. Its main herbal qualities are anti-inflammatory, softening, and contracting, which makes it a good expectorant. The whole plant seems to have slightly sedative and narcotic properties. For instance, it will put you to sleep after smoking it. Some people report that they sleep better after smoking mullein. Mullen is known for its healing abilities when people or animals are suffering from respiratory infections, and it has even been used in certain cases to treat tuberculosis. It's also used as a tobacco substitute, which can help people quit, or it can become just an alternative to smoking tobacco. Smoking can treat lung congestion and relieve the irritation of the respiratory mucous membranes, and it will, to a certain extent, control a hacking cough. It's one of the only substances that has lung-regenerating qualities when you smoke it. They can also be made into cigarettes for people with asthma or other spasmodic cough conditions. Dried flowers of mullein can be used in an herbal tea for the same conditions, for re- mostly for respiratory conditions. And also, the tea is a traditional treatment for diarrhea and rheumatism. It can be useful for chest pain and bleeding of the lungs and bowels. Mullen can also be made into a poultice, into ointments for burns, sores, rashes, skin infections, earaches. Um, It can be used as a remedy for nettle rash if you've ever been stung by stinging nettle. An infusion of mullen root can be used to treat athlete's foot and an oil that is produced from crushing mullein flowers in olive oil in a corked bottle and then exposed for a prolonged period to the sun or kept near fire for several days uh, is one of the local applications in country districts in germany for mucous membrane inflammation and for frostbites and bruises mullein flower oil has been used against colic frostbite eczema and earaches and it works as an external treatment for boils warts hemorrhoids and more so there's kind of two main modes of medicine here. It seems like mullen traditionally has been used to treat lung issues, and then also it has some skin or um, topical medicinal use um, when when it is extracted. Now I'm gonna talk about the goods that are made from mullen, and there are many. The down on the leaves and stem make excellent tinder when quite dry, readily igniting on the slightest spark. And before the introduction of cotton, Rolled mullen leaf was used for lamp wicks; hence, another one of the old names, the candlewick plant. The dry flowering stalk can simply be lit and carried as a torch for a light source, but it works even better if you dip it in tallow, basically making a giant candlestick. Mullen oil is a valuable antibacterial, as I've said before. The fresh flowers, seeped in 21 days of olive oil, can make an admirable bactericide. Um, and not just for humans, but also for agriculture. Uh, the botanist John Girard tells us that figs do not putrefy at all when they are wrapped in the leaves of mullein. So it was actually like a, an agricultural good that was used to transport figs and keep them from rotting. Another use as mentioned when I kind of talked about Rome is the hair dye. Um, they would soak the flowers in water and uh, would kind of create this yellow, this bright yellow water and they would use that to dye the hair of Roman ladies into kind of a lighter tone. Um, It would require an extremely immense amount of flowers. The flowers are really small and I imagine it would take a long time to get to that point. Um, There was also a dye that was made from mullein for textiles or for other things. And this is when mullen was treated with sulfuric acid. It actually produces a very reliable green dye. Um, and as I also mentioned, ashes from the plant. You can burn mullen and then make um, kind of a hair soap out of the ashes mixed with water, kind of like a hair mask that people would do today. And we also talked about the seeds as a fishing aid. Um, they the seeds themselves actually contain rotanone and courmarin, which are sedatives and so when they're eaten by fish they can make the fish inactive so the fish start swimming slower slow enough to be hand caught and so the point was that it was used to help capture fish by hand or when you didn't have a pole maybe when you only had very basic nets. Um, Quaker women who were forbidden to use makeup they also rubbed the leaves of mullein on their cheeks to give the appearance of wearing blush. Because the hairs on the mullen leaf, they can cause a contact dermatitis of sorts um, and turn the skin red. That's never happened to me working with mullein, but I could definitely see how the little hairs would irritate the skin. And so Quaker women use this as a natural makeup alternative. I hope you learned something about mullein. I always keep some mullein seeds because they're like my plant friend. Um, There's so much I enjoy about seeing them, using them, making medicine with them. I want to do more things with this plant. Many of the uses that I just talked about I've never tried myself, like dipping the flower to make a torch. That's definitely on my list of things that I would like to do. Uh, It's also one that I keep around because of how positively it affects the soil. It does seem to set off this succession that allows for other plants to thrive. I've even seen it actively position itself to stop erosion. And I think that this plant is much more sentient than we give it credit for. After spending time with it, I can say that I've seen it act in intelligent ways. I'm really happy when I see it because it's a great pollinator as well. And it seems to house several different types of insects and its leaves and flowers. Just living all over it, you'll see who likes to hang out on it. And it's an herb that I don't always see on everybody's radar. I think that's because it's not typically sold in the store as a vitamin, kind of like some other herbs are. And so unless you forage it yourself, you really might not know about some of the kind of uses for it or, or even notice it. It's interesting how some of the most medicinal plants among us are considered common weeds. Like they aren't really worthy of much consideration beyond how you're going to control them from proliferating. And I think that mullein is one of these plants and it's gone really, really far because of globalization. I mean, it's moved all around the world and it's now considered this invasive plant. It's going to come wreck the soil. But I think that's only half the story. And the reason why is because it's true that common mullen has become an invasive plant in many parts of the world. And it does threaten natural meadows as well as open land found within a forest like a clearing. And once established, it's very difficult to eradicate. But really, when you think about it, most of the places that mullen pops up are places that were cleared or already disturbed by human beings. Mullen just coming in to do the cleanup job and fix the compacted soil that we tilled is not Mullen's fault. It's kind of our fault because we set off this ecological disturbance, and Mullen just knows how to be a good remediator, and so it's just doing what it knows how to do. It's not kind of being a parasite and killing off other species. It's it's more of on on the decomposer side. Um, kind of like a like a plant mushroom in a way, where it's, it's really there to start off a new ecological succession, not there to tear anything down. Mullen's just coming in to really work the soil for us, and instead we blame the plant for just doing what it does, rather than taking a hard look at our own consumptive habits and the way that we interact with the environment and the way that we use land and then abandon it and it does need to be managed, but this wild plant is only trying to help us get our soil back into motion. And so with that, I just want to say thank you to this herb and that I feel honored to work with a plant that I feel so connected to and that has brought me so many new discoveries about nature over the years. Thanks for listening to this herb profile in Mullen. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and comment to let me know how I'm doing. I would really appreciate that. This episode is brought to you by Polycultured, our farm resources blog. We're bringing you info on backyard food production and sustainable living on small plots and in urban areas. If you enjoy this content, please support us by going to www.patreon.com polycultured. This concludes episode 28 of the Someone Somewhere podcast. Good night.